You're listening to the Global Inclusion and Practice Podcast, sharing the stories of DEI changemakers around the world. Vivian Aqua and Marjolein Vlug bring you behind-the-scenes stories and kitchen table conversations about the personal perspectives of DEI professionals, representatives, advocates, and allies, talking about what matters in this work and what sustains us in creating lasting change. There are many of us working on creating a more inclusive world. Let's share our stories. We're in this together. Hello, welcome, Yuli Kim, to the Global Inclusion in Practice podcast. We are very excited to have you as our guest. And could you please introduce yourselves to let the listeners share in the excitement of you being here? Of course. Thank you for having me here today. Um, Viviana Meyerlein. Um, I'm Yuli. I'm a founder of Inclusion Sensei, but also I work as a director of program development at Workplace Pride Amsterdam. I'm originally from Japan, but uh, I've been living in the Netherlands since 2010. I moved here to do an MBA at Rotterdam School of Management. And um, prior to starting my career in DEI space, I was in a um, very different field. It was in a very different field that where I predominantly played a role in business development in IT consulting, advertising, and market research really um, helping business organizations realize their financial goals. But after having, having a family, my priority changed, shifted, and I started to realize, well, I knew we have some uh, challenges in the workplace, but I wanted to make it a little bit better for the next generation, uh, for our children before they enter labor market. So I went back to school. Yet again, I did a master in human resource management at uh, Freie University in Amsterdam uh, in human resource management. And uh, that's when I started. After that, I started Inclusion Sensei as a consultancy uh, focusing on diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace. So thank you very much for having me here today. I'm very excited. Yeah. And it's, it's both those sides of your story, you know, it's it's the new angle of, you know, helping businesses achieve their goals, which is different goals. And, and I'm, I'm very interested to hear that personal side of why you made that switch as well. Yeah. So when I was playing a role as business development in any company, I was really focused on revenue, gross profit, net profit, how to monetize the service what we were providing or our clients were providing. And during that time, I thought winner takes it all. Like you have to be good at this and you have to be strong. You have to just suck it up and then do it. But then I started to see the people that I worked with starting to like wear out or have it, uh, started to have almost panic attacks. Some people started to have panic attack or just taking sick leave, long leave, et cetera. And and I started to realize workplace culture really influences people's performance, how they experience their work space, Mm -hmm. really influenced positively positively or negatively impacted their performance and psychological safety. And at that time, this was 10 years ago, I didn't quite, I didn't know what it was, but psychological, to have psychological safety in the workplace. But my Based on my experience, I felt like there's something, something needs to change, but I didn't know what it was until, until I experienced some, some personal incidents that I really impacted me about how I felt in my workspace. And 
when I was treated differently based on my personal characteristics at that time was race, but also uh, sexual orientation. Then I, yeah, I think gradually, but surely I shifted from business, sort of business centric thinking to perhaps a little bit more people centric. It's Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, because people bring results, people drive business results. So I started to pay more attention to workplace culture and diversity and equity and inclusion. Yeah. You went to the, to the source of the, the whole thing. Like, well, I had first... my ger- own journey. And yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah, that was, that was a journey for me. Yeah. And it's, it's great to hear that it was gradual as well. And that's, I think that's what lots of people can, can recognize. It doesn't have to be boom and you make a complete switch and you're excellent at the new thing. That's the gradual growth that, that lots of people go through as you did. And you mentioned also you're doing this for your kids, right? And the three of us. I think that that is also something that unites us where you have your intrinsic motivation. That That is the three of us. We are motivated for doing this for the next generation. Just so creating a soil where the inclusive seeds or the seeds related to diversity, equity and inclusion has a, a huge opportunity to grow. And on the other hand, I do want to ask you this question. What is a privilege that you have and use within your current work or within the work? I think the privilege that I have, it's probably, I would say, education that I received. Education in Japan and here. Mm-hmm. But also that, that is tied to my sec- uh, socioeconomic status. So when you say a people of color, we can't just cluster just one in a one group, right? Yeah. Um, Asian and in general, just as stereotypical in general, Asian people are more in, in a way treated in a way, even within the people of color, there's a sort of hierarchy, Yeah, you know, we, we, we know this, we, yeah. we realize this. And so being an Asian versus my friend, who's a person of color, um, Person, you know, uh, African American friend. When we walk down the street, uh, of course, not of course. I don't want to say of course, and some people say something nihao, and mm-hmm. but my approach is softer than the way people approach to me uh, mm-hmm. is a little bit less invasive in a way than my friends who um, whose African American uh, experiences. So mm-hmm. I use that 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 sort of my power to protect my friends, stand Mm -hmm. up for them. Yeah, we're sort of in this together. So when I can, I exercise my power, so-called privilege power, to to protect others. Yeah. So I'm I'm starting to be I'm more conscious about what I can offer to other people. And sometimes I borrow that superpower privilege from my friends. Yeah, you might find it kind of bizarre, but my partner, she's Caucasian, she's white. And one of the examples is that when we're in the U.S., and then she's from quite traditional sort of the conservative state. So I didn't feel completely comfortable going out as a family because she and me and then children is a kind of a picture, like a super diverse 
21st century family, right? Asian mm-hmm. woman, white woman, and two biracial children and white, one white boy. So I asked her to just go out alone without me because I felt like kids are safer yeah. with her than being with me. It's bizarre. It's terrible, but yeah. in a way it's true. She's, she's white. So yeah. I, I'm more conscious about, yeah, I'm like, I'm more conscious about what, who I am, what I am, but also in what situation I can use my power to protect others. Yeah. And what you are sharing is a very valuable thing. Like when it comes to ethnicity or race, a lot of people think that the people of color or black people are only advocating for themselves, but also realizing that a lot of the laws that are there right now, which eight people from Asian descent are profiting of, is because the black people have been advocating for that for so many times. Exactly. And I love the fact I love the fact that you are being an advocate for your African American friend because we need that. It's not about me talking about black people doesn't mean that I'm disclosing other people, right? And that's what I'm here. That's the message that I'm hearing from you. And and thank you also for sharing this here because this is a really valuable thing. Like because even though if you are an advocate only for gender or only for one another doesn't mean that you have to look the other way when it, there is harm done upon other the diversity levels, right? Yeah, exactly. And then the violence against people of color. I personally, I haven't experienced the physical violence. Yeah, let's keep um, it that way. Yeah, well, let's keep it that way. <laughs> but it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. True, it's there. Yeah. You know. It's not happening to me, but it's it's happening to somebody else. It could be my child. It could be my friend. Then I want to do something to prevent it if I can. And whether to be education or advocation or, yeah. So there's, I feel everybody has a role to play in this, regardless of your race. So I'm more mindful about not just gender identity or sexual orientation, but also cultural difference, race, all the beautiful differences that, that we have. Uh, what makes us different and beautiful could be sometimes being attacked. And, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. And it's great to see you use your education, but also your, the capabilities of your particular brain. Because it's not just the education, but what it doesn't you're always work. What you're saying and does with it, and the ideas and the and and the work that 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 allows you to do. That's, yeah, I think it's also about paying it forward. Where we mm-hmm. are today is much better than where women were fifty plus years ago, right? In in Japan, mm-hmm. the uh, women couldn't vote until I forgot. This it's quite recent. So women in the past they paved the way for us and yeah. now all the women in japan they take the voting right for granted of course it's my right but yeah. i always want to be mindful there are some people who work very hard for us to get what we have today and it's the same for same-sex marriage uh, my partner is from the u.s and i'm from japan so i i in japan there is no marriage equality but we're fighting and it may not happen soon but 
we can pave the way for the next generation in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. I hope they can get married in the in, in Japan mm -hmm. the way yeah. we were able to do so in, in the U.S. And there are, yeah, people who fought for them, but for, for us too. And mm -hmm. I want to pay it forward. I just don't want to, I don't want to be a taker, you know, who takes all the time. Well, we take what we have and we work on the next step. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. For our listeners, what's your, your flavor, your specialty in DEI work? I specialize in the area of LGBTQ plus inclusion in the workplace. So mm -hmm. it's a very, sounds very exclusive and specific, but in, in my work, I often talk about race, gender, but also race and culture. But my, I specialize in LGBTQ plus inclusion. Hi, I'm Vivian Aqua, the Certified DEI Consultant, and I would like to invite you to take your organization to the next level of understanding by collaborating with me. I specialize in helping organizations amplify their DEI initiatives and foster an inclusive environment. Reach out today to learn how I can help your organization unleash its hidden potential and create a culture of belonging. And what matters the most to you in the work that you do as a DEI professional? So I'm, in my mind, I'm just a middle-aged person, mom, who works in this field. And that's my perception about me because mm -hmm. I've, been, I've been out over two decades. So yeah. for me, it's just kind of a, this is the way I almost breathe, live my mm -hmm. life. But to some people, I, I didn't realize, but I can be an inspiration. I can empower them that some young professionals approached me like, thank you for doing the, the job that you do. You inspired me. Like I could be like you. I can have a normal, I can have a job. I can live the way I, you know, the, like you live your life. And that inspired them. And yeah. when I hear something like that, I'm like, oh my, Wow. Thank you. You inspire me. You motivate me to do a better job in this field. Yeah. And, you know, so, so young people, I mean, social environment is such, it's, it's different. It's, it's, I think it's a little bit more kind to them now for LGBTQ plus young people. That doesn't, doesn't mean that we don't have challenges in the workplace, mm -hmm. but just to raise a voice saying, yeah. Hey, we, we still have some, challenges here let's work work on these challenges together and just to raise that voice and make it visible that saying we're here and we work together mm -hmm. that inspire people and yeah so that's that's rewarding to me but also they make me realize that what i'm doing has some bring some benefits to some people in the workplace so, yeah yeah maybe i need to add it again because you 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 make it seem like you are not a role model and one <laughs> of the reasons why i connected with you and we became friends is because the way you bring things and the way you are sharing things and also for me i wanted to unlearn a lot of what i've learned from my culture right when it comes to the lgbt community 
it's not part of my culture. It was always condemned within my culture. And you were one, are one of my role models in that domain where you are saying, this is who I am. This is what I stand for. And I believe in what I stand for. And I want to help other people. So not only young people, not that I'm, you know, sharing my age, but not mm-hmm. only young people see you as a role model. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Likewise, I think yeah. we inspire each other. We learn from each other so much because yeah. we, I think we opened up as we got to know each other. And yeah. first there was a little bit of barrier. Well, you work in that space. I work yeah. in this space yeah. and yeah. you do you and I do mine kind of, but then yeah. we're all in this together. We True. just want to be treated like just everybody else. True. And, you know, like don't let my sexual orientation or uh, ethnicity coming our way for us to perform and yeah. i don't want people to treat me differently because of my background or race or yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's i think by getting to know each other's work i think we are able to unlearn a little mm-hmm. bit of bias that we've accumulated yeah. over the past mm-hmm. decades and yeah. yeah so it's it's, it's really a valuable friendship but also business partnership that we can do this and not like take, take or, yeah. yeah. So really cherish the collaboration between us. And being inspiring just by being you. I mean, the, the everyday <laughs> of you is inspiring for, for other people, for Vivian, for me. For, and that's, that's the whole point. For the fact about it, that it is so you that is that is part of the inspiring thing that you're not like mm, okay I'm being this. No, you just are. That's- <laughs> yeah, that's I didn't notice, but yeah, before I know coming from Asian sort of um, heritage, whenever people give me compliment, I just kind of rejected them. Like, oh no, no, it's not a big, it's not a big a big deal. Oh no, 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 no. But then I started to realize, wait a minute, I've come far. I've come this far and because I worked hard well of course there's the support from my family and friends and a lot of luck to be honest too yeah coming from Japan and being able to pay for education you know study abroad so I never want to take it for granted but I also need want to acknowledge what I've accomplished Mm -hmm. so far and make sure that I share with people so that they get to perhaps be inspired by knowing how I've achieved what I've achieved so far. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I can do more in, in the area of DEI for LGBTQ plus professionals. But that's, that's again, that's a journey. So, mm-hmm. And there's always yeah. more. <laughs> there's yeah. always more to do. And that makes it, yeah. Yeah, that makes it challenging. And, and yeah. What it, Looking at everything you've done so far and what you're doing now, what are you really great at? What is what am I great at? I think opening up what I, well, I don't know if I'm, again, good at doing it, but what I love is to have a hard conversation, tough, taking tough questions. Mm-hmm. So, so for example, people often ask, not often, sometimes people ask, well, my religion doesn't allow accepting LGBTQ plus people. And I, I'm conflicted by my religion and my company, what my, my company's employer is pushing, pushing in this agenda, etc. Oh. So 
that's a legitimate question. You know, religion is as protected as characteristic as sexual orientation, race, and educational background, etc. They're all protected, right, under anti-discrimination policy. Well, not all the companies have these HR policies, but a lot of do yeah, it's, nowadays. It's diverseness yeah. in itself, yeah. Code of conduct. So, so again, I'm not sure if I'm good at this, but I, I, what I love is to have a hard conversation, tough conversation, and then get tough questions. Mm. And for example, religion and sexual orientation. And my approach is, thank you for asking me that question. Like, thank you for being opening up to me. Let's talk about this and where you're coming from and where I'm coming, where we're coming from. And first and foremost, workplace is a, is a unique place where you're kind of forced to work with everybody else, your, what, what they call colleagues, and whether you like them or not. You have a shared goal, you have a shared project, and then you have to collaborate. And as a professional working for the same company, I would feel that would be my it, it's my responsibility to find a way to communicate with some of the colleagues that I don't necessarily agree upon certain points. So I always take this as an opportunity for all of us to learn. And when I think sometimes people are afraid to ask a question about LGBTIQ plus issues in the workplace, that, oh, we, it's, we have to be so sensitive, we can't ask this question. But I try to open space for everybody so that they can ask those questions or share different viewpoints. And my approach is never, this is good, this is bad. This is more legitimate than the others. That it's about, we're all different and it's okay to talk about this. And we have to talk about this. Otherwise, we'll just put this under the rug and then pretend, look the other way and pretend that it doesn't exist. It doesn't work. That's so right. that's something that I love about my, love about my job that I'm in the position to be able to lead that conversation with the people that I work with. Sounds amazing. And I'm, I'm going to add something because you mentioned love, but I want to see what lights you up when it comes to DEI. When I see changes, actual changes happening, mm. then it really motivates me. Like, yes, we changed the policy. Now gender identity and sexual orientation, they're included in our policy. Like, yeah. great. And people think, oh, it's just a policy. It's just a, like a words written on a paper. But without that, we don't, you don't have ground. Nothing. Mm-hmm. You're not protected. You can't even it's report. not enough. But yes, it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's and progress. It's yeah. progress. Progress being made. And that motivates me. That light me up. When our uh, clients email me about the changes made based on our conversation or recommendation that I made mm-hmm. for them. So, yeah. That, what, that, what can you not tolerate? What shows up in your work? Or maybe what can you tolerate? What can you not? Like, tolerance. Tolerate. People who are not willing to learn. People who are not, like, they join the, for example, the workshop, and mm-hmm. they're completely not open to different ideas. Then, it, I mean, I've, I still need to accommodate them. But... I see that as a kind of a lack of opportunity for their end. Like there's, you're spending this time 
60-minute session or 90-minute sessions, I expected people to want to learn. And if not, having different ideas or having different views on certain things is one thing. But if you just close off to others, then that's a missed opportunity, I think. So I can tolerate and accommodate, but I, I think it's just a unfortunate. Uh, it, I think it's unfortunate some people are, yeah. are not willing to um, open up and learn. What do you not tolerate? What do you not put up with? Put up with? Negative attitude. <laughs> it's a negative attitude. Pessimism, pessimism. That that's that. Mm. I I I can accommodate. He says smiling. <laughs> yeah, negative, negative. Something that I don't. Like, some, Not some, what you can't handle is what I'm getting from here. Yeah, you, that's you a dialogue. Find the solution. You you go have the conversation. That is really yeah. something you're great at. Uh, most things I need to tolerate, right? Because I'm a motor. Like I am a moderator, so there. are all kinds of like different people, but I don't appreciate the dialogue that people. It doesn't happen very often, but sometimes somebody uses a kind of a logic of "I'm better than you," I'm, mm -hmm. "I know better," and that is hard. Not not always easy to turn it around. Divert. Yeah, turn it yeah. around, and mm -hmm. uh, then at some point, I rarely say this, but we can agree to disagree like mm -hmm. yeah there's that moment that otherwise there are the rest of the audience the people who are in the group so i want to make sure that we can move forward and yeah. some 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 points sometimes you can't go to a mutual agreement or you, you can't find a kind of a landing space that is comfortable for everybody and i think that's also okay this is not a very comfortable sometimes that we have uncomfortable conversations i think well, what helps you not take that personal because i think everybody's entitled to their opinions including mine and then them and sometimes it's not easy it's not possible easy possible to come to a mutual sort of ground mm -hmm. and that that's also okay that's uh, we're all human so try again another day exactly yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah or how should I say it's it's yeah I don't take it personal I don't take most comments personally it's 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 my job so I I try to be more yeah I guess open and respectful for others as much as I expect them to respect me and mm -hmm. yeah so I don't understand. Yes, I don't. I don't get some of the viewpoints, but I don't. But that's that's in their mind, in their in their head, it makes perfect sense, and then let it rest, let it be that way, and and that's okay. When you look as a uh, when you go through your day as a DEI professional, the work that we do, there is a lot of emotional labor. And it can be intensive. What do you do to recharge your batteries? Not to think about the problems that in the workplace. Like <laughs> sometimes I just—it's <laughs> too much. It's a—it's mm -hmm. a lot. Yeah. And I—I wish I was super shiro that who can like fix everything, and I'm—I can't. Mm -hmm. And so, just know 
some things are beyond my capability and power mm -hmm. and all I can, the best I can do is to, to provide all the knowledge, data points, evidence, dialogues and reports that I have available to maybe tackle certain challenges, but some companies choose not to, yeah, listen, or, or some companies, some organizations, oh, we don't, this is not the right time, or yeah. we don't have resources to do that, then yeah. again, well, I thank God that I don't work for your company. I'm still, like, at the end of the day, I'm an external yeah. consultant. So yeah, it's true. This is oh. what I think is good for your people. And mm -hmm. I, I do that. I do very best in the work that I do. But at the end of the day, it's up to this organization to, to whether they want to make changes or acknowledge the challenges and make changes or not, this is not the right time, then yeah, yeah, there's not much I can do. So I can easily separate myself from that situation because I feel like because I did my best. Yes. This is the best that I can give to them. And I mean, if I did a mediocre, mediocre job and then I, then there will be my, my regrets, right? Oh, mm -hmm. maybe my pitch was not good enough, or maybe it was too invasive, like too aggressive or too this. And I, but when I do my best, then, then it's up to them. So yeah. And I, you also mentioned something like, I wish I can fix it all. And sometimes, BI professionals are looked upon as a fixer. You looked are upon as, as fixers. Oh, fixers. As Harry Potter or Olivia Pope or somebody else that can fix it all. And <laughs> I believe that that role isn't just. If you're putting just one person to be the fixer of 15,000 people that are working and the challenges that is there, it's not mm. just. Done. Box checked. Poof. Yeah. Ready. Yeah. Then, then they're just doing the checklist thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the difficulty of this job is I think most people want to change. Most people are involved and engaged. Yeah. And somehow, somewhere along the way, things don't move forward. And it's not often as easy to detect what the blocks, roadblocks are. Sometimes visible, sometimes this one particular person or department is kind of prohibiting or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But sometimes I can't work out. Oh my goodness! Why? Why? Why is it not moving forward? You People are engaged. Yeah. yeah. So that that's the most difficult part when you can't exactly pinpoint of like what are the roadblocks here. We have mm -hmm. budget. We have a, like a strategy. We have planning. We have people. And, and stop moving yet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sometimes it's a. Employees themselves, you know, the change management one-on-one is when people experience change, changes that they, they mm. like to resist. Yeah. No, 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 we're doing fine. So Low is human that, neuro, neurology. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so then it goes back to educating your employees about benefits of psychological safety or LGBTQ plus inclusion or workplace inclusion. And I've, so. Well, yeah. how do you keep, how do you keep your energy up in those situations, especially when, you know, when change comes slowly? And roadblocks show up. How do you keep your energy up? 
I guess I tend to work with clients that are more involved and who. <laughs> so you work that, with nice clients. Yeah, so the, yeah, well, that's, like, a val- that's a valid point, though, that yeah. you can pick and choose yes. with which clients you're working when you're an external DI consultant. Vivian, yeah. you do that. I do that. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like the more they're engaged, people who are in charge are engaged with me. Yeah. I feel like they better, they get better or most out of my time. Because I'm engaged, I'm focused. I know their challenges. I know their goals. I know where they are today and then where they want to get to. So let's work on the how. How do we get there? How fast can we go? What resources can you get? Then they open up and talk sparring. You know, the the more ideas come along and more people get involved. And yeah, so, but if they're just doing the sort of checklist of, oh, let's talk to this consultant and not a fit. do and the right thing. Other, there are other consultants and other people and other professionals who are fit for that situation. And yeah, for perhaps maybe it's I'm not like the right what fit. What you're describing, the things that you're great at, I'm not good at that at all. And I'm so glad you are because then you can do those things and I can do other things. Yeah. In the bigger picture, that's how it works. Yeah. Yeah. What is your biggest, biggest, biggest wish when it comes to this work? Biggest wish. (laughs) (laughs) Your size says it all. (laughs) Biggest wish. I was going to say... I was going to say more organizational commitment for mm-hmm. the change, like diversity yeah. and equity and inclusive, not just a checklist mm-hmm. or checkbox, like, hey, we have this person who's in charge of DEI. Mm-hmm. And by the way, this person is also sustainability and employee engagement and this, this, this. I mean, DEI alone is a lot of work, a lot of stakeholder mm-hmm. involvement and management and influencing stakeholders and senior leaders, educating them, convincing them. So I see a lot of DEI specialists in the corporate side from HR department, and they have so much work to do, Mm -hmm. uh, aside from this DEI challenges area. Mm -hmm. So I guess my hope is that the business organizations acknowledge that this is not kind of a Oh, by the way, my day job is this, but I also do DEI. DEI mm-hmm. is a main. It's a day job. It's, it's a day yeah. job alone. <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's a day job alone. Hey, are you ready to rediscover focus, clarity and resilience so that you can be a stronger change maker for diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging? I am Marie Leifler. I'm a certified coach. And whether you're getting started in DEI or are further along in your journey, I can support you to take your work to the next level. With me as your ally, you can gain clarity on your next initiatives or career goals, make intentional choices, stay accountable to them, deal with the intensity of the work and create real change. Let's talk. I'd love to learn more about you. Reach out, book a chat. What's your biggest wish for yourself? For, oh, for myself. Oh, that was my, yeah. myself. Oh, myself. As a DEI professional. Or... Any answer. As a person. You can wish for ice cream if you want to. Be <laughs> really? Are we getting there? Then I, well, I've been, we've been living without a floor for the past like eight weeks. 
this is another topic, but uh, you know, the vata I thought um, about water damage. A, yeah. Yeah. Water damage. Water damage. Yeah. I thought about writing a you know my ear of vata uh, scatter water damage uh, in mm -hmm. my floor. It's like maybe this is this may not be relevant to this discussion, but uh, people don't take accountability. Like, people, I don't know, unnamer. The, well, it, the, it can be a Dutch problem because you live in the Netherlands and this is a country with a lot of water. So Yeah, right? And then you would I, think, and you, you, would think you would think you're good at it, managing this problem. And then the water <laughs> so-called expert comes like, oh, we don't know where this water is coming from. Oh, we don't have uh, this device to measure this. Uh, and then, oh, a water problem? Oh, um, I don't know. It's the groundwater is not covered by insurance. And all these insurance over insurance over insurance and then at the end of the line you don't even know who's liable for what and mm -hmm. you, you know what's happening with me right now and i'm a coach so this is what happens with me this is such a beautiful metaphor diversity equity inclusion and belonging are the floor that we all need to live on and we're not going to compromise and say but we didn't have the right tools but we didn't who's you anyway don't yap about it fix it because we all need a floor to I, I think you, literally you need to get your feet on the ground to have a situation. So mm, walk them out in somebody else their shoes. Yeah, exactly. And then so my <laughs> somebody learning, <laughs> I think for DEI professionals, like including myself, to mm -hmm. be able to engage mm -hmm. and like not help people, but to to assess the situation fairly or in a sensible way you need to be happy or taken care of as a profession as a person before it's like the airline you know the remarks when you get on the plane put your mask first before you put masks yeah. to your children assistant needed that's mm -hmm. exactly what it is i think when it comes to like vivian you mentioned sometimes dei can be emotionally exhausting sometimes mm -hmm. and so you need to be taken care of. You need to keep your, make sure that you're psychologically safe with working, working with certain clients. And then if that doesn't come about, but then there might be more challenges or problems. So that's my learning from the water damage, not having like comfortable home that that really caused like emotional distress on my side. And yeah, so. My wish is, uh, yeah, to have floor in my house, which is happening in the coming weeks, I hope. So let's see. We'll keep track on it. We'll yeah, let, let me check, yeah, check me in, in a couple of weeks and see if, if we have a floor. Who are you becoming? Who am I becoming? Yeah. I want to be, I want to become someone that I, in 10 years or, and then I look back and then, man, great that I did. I'm so proud of myself. So it's, I was going to say, oh, my kids, I want them to look up to me, etc. But that's a socially, socially desired answer. Mm -hmm. I think my goal is to become somebody that I'd be proud of in 10 years. Like, man, that's great that I paved the way for the next generation or for myself or for somebody that they can have a little bit better experience in the workplace. And that, mm -hmm. that's what I want to become. I think who, who I want to become. What would 
Yuli from 10 years ago be proud of seeing you now? So 10 years ago is a time after so I graduated from my MBA and I knew I wanted to work in a DEI space, but I didn't have a leverage. I, there was no way that I could work in that field because I didn't have an HR experience or I just had business degree. And so I knew I wanted to go in that direction, but I just didn't know how. But somehow along the way, I, I made this, here. I am here. So yeah, looking back, I'm really glad that I shift made, made the change after having our first child. And you know what? I'm, I want to work in this field. And then, yeah. So that's the time that I left this very secure job. And then I went back to school without knowing what would happen next. But I follow my heart. No, no, yeah, no. I follow my heart. This is the right thing. Well, this is where I want to, that's where I want to be to get there. I need to go through this. I need to quit my job. I need to go back to school. And that's what I did. And I'm, I'm really glad that I did. And now you're, now you are an inspiration again, because I know that a bunch of people listening to this episode are in that place where you were 10 years ago. I, are they? I don't know. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I, I think it's important to follow. Like, of course, you need a sort of assessment of like a risk assessment. And then, you know, what's going to happen if I make this decision now, what's going to happen? So the kind of scenario based projection, you know, but sometimes that's it. It doesn't tell you all of it. It doesn't guarantee success. And I don't think there is a failure there's it's a phase of to get where you want to be so it's it's a phase and a learning curve and if you don't ignore if you ignore and don't learn and give up then that's it but use that opportunity how can i what can i do better next time when i have this type of situation how do i handle the situation and yeah so i think sometimes it's important to listen to your sort of heart and gut feeling and just go for it when you can't decide or also you, you you don't have to move if you don't know where to go you can just kind of stay where you are and check the weather or assess your surrounding and what tools that are needed for you to get to the next check that out destination yeah are there, are there any, any books or podcasts or movies or anything that you would recommend? I wish I did. Having three children, like a me time, <laughs> is non-existent <laughs> right now. So I have so many books in my bookshelf like, that I want to read. And I just, when I open it, I just fall asleep. And so <laughs> right now, I'm not a good source for that kind well, of a... Right now, what you did was make this episode with us? And have this serve as something that can be recommended to people. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for your story. Yeah, depending on the, your life stages of whoever who's listening, and in your life stages that uh, you have a small baby or babies or child or children or or even struggling to you know have a baby, and I had three miscarriages and not easy. Mm. It's super emotionally draining. However, how, whatever the stage about the family uh, situation, be gentle, be kind, and take care of yourself. You matter. 
you know, first and foremost, that's what I would say. Um, yeah, sorry that I don't have any inspirational sort of you do. source you of did. books or <laughs> podcasts. Like, I literally do not have time. You, like You literally just created it. Yeah. I'm lucky. If, if I can wash my hair, that's my luckiest day. Like, oh, my God, I get to wash my hair. And, yeah, it sounds terrible. I, but, I, I, yeah. I can do... I can do. <laughs> 30 minute podcast episodes now. So that's what we make. Yes, I can handle. Yeah. 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 What inspiration would you like to send to our listeners? I think it's the same that like you just did to me. Whoever who's listening isn't you are an inspiration to some people. And I think we disre women disregard how much we give how much yeah. we provide and how much we contribute to the family and work and society. So I think the, it's not advice, but just acknowledge your accomplishment and contribution around you. And yeah, people um, don't always say thank you, but you, you are an inspiration as you don't have to do anything more or less, but I want people to acknowledge their accomplishment too. Is there a heart button that I can hit here somewhere? Hard, <laughs> <laughs> hard, hard, hard. No, I think <laughs> I think we we just take. I don't know, like, yeah, yeah. We tend to we as in like, I tend to disregard how much I bring to offer to yeah. the family and then in the workplace. But that's why I always make sure that I say thank you yeah. to my colleagues. Well, this is great. Thank you so much. And most of the reaction is like, oh, no, not a big of a deal. Like, well, it's a big but deal to is. me. Yeah, it is it to is. me. So yeah. thank you. So I acknowledge their contribution. And I'm very mindful about that as, yeah, that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, men or women or LGBT, however they identify, but men feel like they, they get that this, like, enough from somewhere else so i'm more yeah mindful about colleagues that are more perhaps belong to a marginalized group of, yeah marginalized group and whether to be women or people of color or just to acknowledge their accomplishment contribution then yeah and it's a nice feeling that i when i say thank you and then they're, they're genuinely like really happy to hear those simple words like thank you and yeah some some people sometimes like oh my god you made my day um, really i just said thank you and yeah but i try to be more precise like not just thank you but thank you for doing xyz or yeah. the report that you wrote me and this point was really helpful for me yeah. and then it's 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 a simple thing to do but People seem to appreciate more when I'm more specific about their contribution. And, yeah. Well, wait for it. That's exactly what we're going to do right now with you. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for this episode. Thank you, Julie. Oh, for this thank you for having well. me. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for the personal stories. Thank you for bringing in your perspective, your personality your drive your your honesty even your size and your i don't know the answer to this <laughs> <laughs> and thanks for bringing in 
the inspiration that you give. Yeah, you're to you're very welcome. Everyone in the field. Yeah. Thank you for giving me this uh, opportunity and platform that the work that you do, and then I'm really happy to be able to contribute a little bit of of your yeah the work that you do in the DEI space. And I respect that as well, Vivian and you, Marilyn, how you lift people up. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for listening. You're warmly invited to pause for a moment and think about what stood out to you from this conversation. Please share this episode with others to inspire them too. Make sure to subscribe to our Substack channel. We'll be back soon with more episodes. Be well, take care, and stay connected.